Let's get ready to study God's Word. Greetings to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is your host, Andrew S. Baker, and today's devotional study is entitled, Lessons from the Book of Jonah. Please remember to visit our podcast page, biblestudy.asbzone.com, where you can find our other Bible study podcasts and resources. Let's have a word of prayer before we continue. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you. We want to praise your name for the privilege of studying together. We thank you for this opportunity. We invite your presence, your Holy Spirit to be with us, that you'll give us wisdom, give us understanding, and help us to rightly divide your words of truth. And may this podcast be a blessing to those who hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. Lessons from the Book of Jonah Reading from the King James, Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. That's Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. There are a lot of lessons that we can learn from the book of Jonah. There are just four chapters in this book. It is a story primarily about a prophet of the Lord who is sent on an errand and immediately goes astray. And there's a lot of history. There's a lot of background Um not that we're trying to give, not that we're trying to give Jonah an excuse because there's never excuse for disobedience, but just so that we understand how he felt and how real his situation was. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, and that was the country that was that had um, attacked the northern tribes of Israel, right? This At this time, the tribes of Israel, the northern kingdom, had been dispersed, right? Judah was still, was still free, and Judah was not yet captured by the Babylonian Empire. So Assyria was the strong empire on, on the scene. And here it is that God gives him a command to go and preach to the um, the inhabitants of Nineveh. And the Lord said, Go cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, you would think that he would have been happy to go and, and uh, cry against them for their wickedness, but Jonah knows some things about God that we don't always think about. As an example, if you go to Jonah chapter 4, 
you'll see that Jonah says the following in verse 2. He prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. So he suspected that this call for destruction of Nineveh was really a call to repentance. And he was afraid that if they accepted it, they would be spared and it didn't seem fair to him. So one of the lessons that we learn is this. God calls us to service as is necessary to fulfill his purposes. God called Jonah for this. He didn't call other prophets that were around at the same time. He called Jonah and he called him to service. And if you read the story of Jonah carefully, you'll realize that Jonah needed this as much as the Ninevites needed it. So when God calls us to service, oftentimes he's calling us to fix us too. Right? So pray for the preacher because the preacher, just because someone has been called by God to preach doesn't mean that they're flawless. It can, it often means that God is working on them as well. The second lesson that we learn is that it is not our business to determine the suitability of those that God sends us to witness to. So part of Jonah's problem was that he was concerned that the Ninevites didn't deserve his uh, the preaching and God's mercy. Right? He tells us that. He says, didn't I know that? That you're a gracious God, slow to anger, great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. So he's clearly telling us that he's not happy that the Lord chose to do that. But if you look at what the Lord says at the end in verse 11, chapter 4, verse 11, he says, And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? Right? And six score, a score being 20, six score being 120, 120,000 persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand are infants. That, I mean, God is saying this is such a huge city that there are 120,000 infants in the city. Right? So that's this, it's, the population was probably significant. We're talking easily a half a million people in that city and the Lord is saying isn't it important for me to offer mercy and grace to to such a people but at the point Jonah doesn't necessarily feel that way the third lesson that we learn from the book of Jonah is that the greater our knowledge of the gospel is the greater our consequences for disobedience and I, I don't think that we appreciate that. A lot of times questions come up about how God is going to deal with people in foreign lands who don't have a, a full, true, or right representation of him. And those kinds of uh, questions can eat up a lot of our time. But the fact is, God knows how he's going to deal with them. And when we look at the records, we will see that his dealing with them was just. He will deal with them according to what they know and understand. 
and his Holy Spirit will plead with them according to what has been made available to them. We see in the book of Jonah that Jonah, um, that the people, many of the people that Jonah runs into are more religious than Jonah is, right? Jonah gets, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, and Jonah runs, okay? He runs, he's off to sea, and he's sleeping, and there's all sorts of chaos, and the mariners, the, the ship, um, the shipmen said in verse seven, come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell upon Jonah, which by the way, Jonah could have told them what the issue was and he didn't. And so then they said to him, tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause is this evil upon us? What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? And what is thy country? And what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. <laughs> ah, of all the ways to describe God at that moment, a reminder that he controlled that. So in verse 10, it says, Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Okay. His punishment for running away is greater than the, the pagans' punishment for not worshiping God properly. And that brings us to point number four. When we disobey, we not only bring problems to ourselves, but we bring them upon others. So... All of these men are now in distress and look what they had to do because they wanted to know what they had to do. He said, oh, throw me in the water because he's trying to take, um, not to take responsibility for it. And they didn't, they didn't, they weren't feeling that. So in verse 13, it says, nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Okay. They threw things into the sea. In verse five, it says, then the mariners were afraid and every man and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it. So on account of Jonah's bad behavior, the merchantmen lost all of their equipment. They encountered a storm that could have killed them. And then he added guilt to them by telling them that the only way that things would be sorted out is if they threw him overboard because he knew he couldn't kill himself. So he's putting that burden on someone else. So when we disobey, we bring problems to others in addition to ourselves. As you go through the story, he ends up in a fish. He spends some time in there. He's a little bit despondent. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 2, it says, And I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. All right? Because he's in this fish. Because the Lord prepared a fish. That's a lesson too. Um, but we'll get to that. Obeying the first time usually works out better for all parties. If Jonah had obeyed right away, he could have taken a ship straight over to Nineveh. He could have prayed. He could have preached as he was supposed to. 
the Ninevites would have repented. There's no reason to think that they only repented because he ended up in a fish, which they don't necessarily know about. Um, they would have repented. And even if he had been a little bit disgruntled about that, he could have learned the lesson that he needed to learn. But instead, he had to go through some hardship. He had to hurt. He had to damage the, the, the merchant's um, vessel and their equipment. And basically, you know, those, so those people lost all of the things that they were traveling with. And think, think about people who were going to buy it on the other end or, or people they were transporting it for. He created problems for other people. Now, huh, lesson number six, God is always way ahead of us. His plans cannot be thwarted by us. In the book of Jonah, as you read, you'll find that there are some key phrases that you'll see. In verse, in Jonah 1, 4, but the Lord sent a great wind into the sea. Right. In Jonah 1, 17, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. In 2.10, the Lord spake unto the fish and it vomited out Jonah. In 4, in chapter 4, we have um, the Lord prepared a gourd in verse 6. The Lord prepared a worm in verse 7. <laughs> The Lord prepared a, a vehement east wind in verse 8. The Lord is prepared. God is always way ahead of us. And it's something that we need to bear in mind. Because we can't outsmart him. We can't outrun him. We really ought to cooperate with him. He's merciful. He's just. He's patient. The best responses, lesson number seven, the best responses to the word of God are often made by those who appear to have the least religious knowledge. What are we referring to? In chapter three, let's read chapter three. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days journey, meaning it took three days to get through it. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in, it, in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. Now, 
Oh, the Lord is probably saying, oh, that I could send a prophet to preach one time to my people Israel and have them immediately call a fast and prepare their hearts and repent them of the evil. Now, we have some good kings. We have Hezekiah. We have Josiah. We have a few good kings who, when they came across things from the word of the Lord, they came across the book of the law, they came across situations where they, um, where they turned their heart to the Lord and repented. Uh, but few and far between. Few and far between. And here we have the Ninevites, the Assyrians, who don't otherwise seem like they're paying attention to godly things. And they got down to the point of fasting even man and beast. Even man and beast. They took it seriously. And they took it on the grounds that they didn't know for sure. Because look at what they says. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger? Remember, what was preached to them was 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. It wasn't, hey, if you don't get yourself together in 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. It is, you guys have 40 days and this city's done. And they said, hmm, you know what? Let's turn and repent and see if perhaps God will turn and repent. And sadly, that's a better response than we find from um, many of God's people throughout much of their long history. And lesson number eight. This is an important personal lesson to each of us. Just because the preacher appears to be successful, right? Jonah is probably one of the most successful preachers ever recorded in Scripture because... In one single sermon, a whole nation which had 120,000 infants in it repented and averted um, a judgment, a significant judgment from God. So he was a successful preacher. You don't, you know, we usually think in terms of a few thousand people being converted, and that's awesome. Here he has a town of probably a half a million, and... Um, and they turned, they repented and turned from their evil. He was successful as a prophet, as a missionary, but he wasn't converted, at least not at the begin not at the beginning of chapter four, frankly, not at the end of chapter four. He's displeased, right? When after he preaches and God says he's not going to do it, it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. That's how chapter 4, verse 1 begins. And he complains to God that God is merciful, is too merciful. And he asks him to take his life because it's better for him to die. Because, you know, after all, who wants to be a false prophet who predicted doom and it didn't happen? Then said the Lord, Dost, Doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. He's actually going to stick around and wait for the rest of the 40 days to elapse so he can see what's going to happen. So the Lord is merciful on him and prepares a gourd and gives him shadow and he's happy for the gourd. And then God prepares a worm the next day that 
smote the gourd and it withered. And then when the sun comes out, God prepares a vehement east wind and the sun beats upon him and he wishes to die again. And the Lord said, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? The Lord is merciful to us. He leaves us this story with this question so that we can answer that question for ourselves. Do we well to be angry? Is it appropriate for us to be angry about the circumstances that we go through life that don't seem fair? Is it okay for us to ignore all the ways in which God blesses us? I pray that we will not be disgruntled, that we will not pick and choose who we reach out to, to share the good news of the gospel, that when the Lord uses us to bless his name and enlarge his kingdom, that we are also converted and not disgruntled that people have accepted him. And I pray that we will not disobey not only to our eternal detriment, but to the, the detriment of others. There are people whose salvation we are failing to help attain because we are not preaching them the gospel by which they can obtain salvation. God used Jonah's disobedience, but that's not a recipe for success. God used his disobedience to help the shipmen, even though they had to lose some temporal stuff in the process. But God was trying to save Nineveh, and God was trying to save Jonah, and God is trying to save you and me. So let's not, after all the effort that God is putting in, let's not preach to others and yet be castaways ourselves. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, this uh, wonderful story that you've tucked here in the Bible with many, many lessons. We covered a few, but there are lots and lots of lessons that can be derived from the book of Jonah. Please help us to study it in depth and to understand them, to learn them. Please help us to apply them. Help us to see ourselves in Jonah and to see how patient and loving and kind you are with us. Forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this devotional study. Please feel free to reach us for any reason via email at biblequestions at asbzone.com. If you are finding these Bible study resources to be a blessing, please take the time to share our page with others. And always keep our ministry in your prayers. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you study His Word.